welcome to the latest episode of Rulebooks and Roadmaps, our FH Brussels podcast hosted by me, Jim Brunston, with guests drawn from among my esteemed colleagues in the office and beyond. Our continuing mission on this podcast, to reveal the pressures and choices behind EU decision making, to lay bare what is really going on in legislative debates, and to provide clear and accurate insights into what Brussels is doing. All of which is a clue to the topic of this episode, namely the EU's mission to tackle misleading environmental claims slapped across the products we buy. There have been a proliferation of these claims in recent years, as the EU citizen has grown into a more environmentally conscious consumer. Be it ocean-friendly sunscreen, or clothes purporting to be made of recycled materials, or shower gel that insists it is nature's friend. As the guardian of the single market, all of this has the European Commission worried. How to know if these claims are true? And if some of them aren't, how to protect the companies that are really selling more environmentally benign alternatives? Fortunately, here to help me understand what the Commission plans to do about it is my colleague Aoife Smith from the FH Brussels Environment Team, who will be setting out for us how the EU believes it can intervene effectively to change how everything from cosmetics to cagoules are marketed at us. Hello Aoife. Hello Jim, thanks for having me. Great to have you on the pod. So, now, while tackling misleading claims sounds like it might be a simple matter, as so often in the world of EU policy making, it is anything but. Firstly, how should we measure if a claim is misleading or not? What criteria should we use? And how can regulations set those kinds of rules of the road for the hugely diverse range of products across the continent's shop shelves? Secondly, what do we actually want from public authorities in this space? Take environmental labels, for example, where a mixture of over 230 public and private sector labelling schemes currently exists across the single market. Should these private schemes be restricted? If so, to what degree? Should public ones only be set at EU level to ensure some kind of consistency across the whole of our market? But what if there are existing ones that consumers genuinely value? Who is going to be enforcing that rules on green labels and other claims are respected in practice? And, and how do we prevent that turning into some kind of enormous monitoring burden on regulators? These are the kinds of questions up for debate after the European Commission last month tabled a proposal for a green claims directive. So Aoife, without any further ado, let's dive into what Brussels is actually proposing to do. So, uh, so if I've understood about this, what's happened is the Commission's identified there's, there's a problem here where consumers are sort of being bombarded by this proliferation of information written on products they buy, written on the packaging, included in the advertising and marketing, all sort of saying, aren't our products wonderful in all kinds of ways you care about because you're a, a person who cares about the rest of humanity. And the EU saying, look, this is becoming completely sort of impossible to navigate. We need to do something about it. What's the EU actually proposing to do? And what, what can it do? Sure. Thanks, Jim. And indeed, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think as consumers, we can all sort of relate to that feeling of, of going into a shop and just being completely overwhelmed by the sheer number of terms and labels, you know, eco-friendly, green, climate neutral um, and carbon neutral. So this, uh, the unfortunately, this has led to a lot of products uh, and producers sort of using these terms and marketing them and in fact quite often they're very vague ambiguous um, and staggeringly around 40 percent of the claims that we see on our products are have no evidence so they're not justified they're not back uh, backed up by anything 40 percent aren't 40%, backed up by anything what they're yeah. just basically sort of made up yeah like just saying 
we're this, we're great, we're environmentally conscious, and and there's not a, a sort of certified system with which they're they're proving that those yeah. claims. Because what you need behind it is some sort of metric, I guess. You need to be exactly. able to say, okay, against exactly. this benchmark or yeah, whatever, or exactly. we are good. like something something tangible. You can say exactly. we don't use these kind of materials in our products, or exactly. we source from. Yeah. exactly here or something that's it. not a nebulous kind of term and that's exactly where the commission comes in and, and the EU and that's what they want to do so with this proposal, this green claims directive they are basically setting out uh, a sort of checklist of criteria, so 10 criteria that any producer must meet in order to make any environmental claims. So what they're trying to do is clamp down on all of these vague, unjustified claims and create exactly like you say, more of a metric, more of a standardized system for measuring them and ensuring that what they're saying is not only true and, and backed up by, by science and evidence, but also is very clear. So quite often we'll see claims that maybe are true, but only show a proportion of the of the full truth. So they might say recycled materials, but they may not address the overall carbon footprint for producing those materials. So it's a sort of intentional misleading that can often happen where consumers like us are, are going in and trying to make these conscientious, sustainable decisions, but in the end, we're sort of not being given the full transparent truth of, of a product's life cycle and the Im impact it has from development to end of life. So that's super interesting. So the problem isn't simply as simple as someone putting something nebulous on their packaging saying, here is um, an environmentally conscious sweatshirt or, or an environmentally conscious can of tuna. Or, or it, yeah. It's actually people telling you something that's, that's true, but that's only sort of part of the truth about the product. Exactly. So this is like, um, I confess, I've not watched many episodes of Mad Men, but I have watched the first ever <laughs> episode where they have to decide how they're going to remarket Lucky Strikes. Yes. And they come up with It's Toasted, which is brilliant, exactly. brilliant because it's true, yeah. but it's only part of the truth of the production process exactly. of Lucky Strikes. Like they are indeed toasted, but a heck of a lot of other stuff yeah, happens as well in the production great. process. That's it. That's it. And I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, because, of course, there, there's a desire from consumers, but a lot of these terms have become sort of part of the cultural zeitgeist, and they're very sort of... Uh, easily thrown about and easily used and I think that as consumers we are wanting to make better choices and so we're wanting we're drawn to those things and indeed uh, on the marketing side of things I think we're we're now faced with a situation where that's not always uh yeah the full truth or producers are maybe using that uh just as a as a means to better market their their products um so it is a uh, yeah that's what the directive will hopefully clamp down on so okay so um so Aoife, th thanks so much for setting that out so there is clearly there is clearly an, an, an issue here or a potential issue here i can totally understand that you know if i go into a shop and i want to know that i'm buying something um that is 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 not harmful for the environment i want to know i can believe what's what's written on that product so the next sort of question that comes to mind then is well what's the role for the eu in 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 all of this um why is there why does the commission think that there's need or justification to have some kind of you know harmonized e eu approach approach to this why why is it their problem to fix if you see what i mean yeah that's right so i think um a huge element of that is 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 because the under the green deal the commission are aiming to introduce a huge a number of initiatives and provisions that so will... So this is the overarching Green New Deal exactly. so agenda this is of the von der exactly, Commission. Exactly. It's the, the, the mammoth uh, Green Deal that will basically set the path for uh, the EU becoming 
climate neutral by uh, 2050. So the European continent will be, in theory, climate neutral by 2050. So it's... Um, massive in terms of scope in terms of number initiatives it's it's sort of an unseen uh deal that that the sheer volume of initiatives is um is is quite staggering and it covers everything from you know products and the way that we design them use them their sustainability emissions from you know industrial manufacturers governance and so sustainable finance how we uh govern um uh companies and things like that so it's very comprehensive and because there is this push and this move towards sustainability as as the sort of driving factor for products we will of course see that there will be in the coming years a lot more products that will uh, make claims or include information about the environmental performance and will sort of seek to to showcase themselves as being conforming with all of these things so the green claims uh, directive is really important for the EU because they want to ensure that not only are they uh, driving future innovation towards sustainability, but they're also making sure that consumers uh, in the present have the, the sort of information and knowledge that they need to make green and sustainable choices. So it's the, the, the need, I guess, is to just provide better information and better... Um, better transparency for consumers when uh, when picking their products. So that sounds really important. So there's, if I've understood, there's kind of a micro level to this, which is like me as an individual consumer, I don't want to be misled when yeah. I buy something. But there's a macro level to this as well, which is basically the commission is trying to drag the continent towards climate neutrality by 2050. And one way you do that is by making sure consumers as much as possible make the environmentally conscious choice. That's and right. if they can't make the environmentally conscious choice because they're being bombarded by false claims, then actually we're not, progressing towards that climate neutrality target because people think they're buying um, climate neutral sunscreen or t-shirts and actually they're not. Yeah. So uh, there's, a, there's a sort of transmission breakdown despite exactly. the fact the European consumer is environmentally conscious, yeah. increasingly so, and despite the fact that we have this, this objective and, and all this Green Deal push. And I think there, there's a, a recognition that in order to meet these very, very ambitious climate targets, uh, it's going to take literally everyone and every member state and, and uh, there needs to be good harmonization and there needs to be good rules uh, you know as the foundation to make sure that we're we're hitting that because it's it's very ambitious it will involve every sector and, and every industry and this is just one part of that um, but I think it's it's super important and maybe also to your point about um, you know we already have that in in national legislation we have some consumer protection laws I think that's certainly the case but again there is um, there's a recognition that certain member states it's it's quite fragmented let's say let's say it that way where certain member states have made significant uh, advancements in terms of this type of uh tackling this this type of issue like greenwashing providing uh, france is a good example that have they've done a lot of work uh on this product environmental footprint so this is basically the pef as it's uh um known amongst the, uh, the amongst the our PEF, team yeah the win an acronym. yeah exactly we love an acronym um so this is basically uh, a, a method so it's a method for assessing the environmental performance of a product um and france are doing a lot of work in this area but it's not that this is consistent across all member states so the reason the eu is also stepping in is to ensure that you know it's not just a couple of member states that are really driving this or it, we have consistency across all member states um, 
with at least the the minimum requirements. Yeah, so that's super interesting because I know like sort of down down the years, sort of this quest from the EU side to try and have a bit more of a sort of harmonised, homogenous um, landscape when it comes to con- the whole area of consumer protection has been sort of bedeviled with political problems because yeah. individual countries are very attached to Absolutely. their own prerogatives when it comes to yeah. when it comes to consumer protection. And uh, which kind of gets us to another point, which is we're talking about sort of green claims here and also like green labels mm-hmm. is an obvious sort of type of, of claim that can be made. But I, I do have a sort of sense of deja vu about some of this because this is a space in which, if I've understood, you know, the EU has been quite active in the past. And yep. like lots of us have heard about eco labeling, exactly. for example, which is sort of measures the environmental performance of, of uh, washing machines, fridges mm-hmm. and other white goods we buy. Um, eco design, most famously the ban on incandescent light bulbs, which made a bunch of MEPs fairly incandescent at the time, but actually, you know, proved to be, um, I think, most would agree, a, 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 f- a pretty effective technological advance. So we've got a lot going on here already. Um, or get the, the organic food label, for example, mm-hmm. is, is there. So one thing that strikes me is both we've got quite a lot of stuff in this space already at EU level, but the other thing that strikes me is all these things were actually quite targeted, whereas this now is sort of across the entire landscape. And so um, is this... Basically, what I'm trying to get my head around is like, is this the cherry on the cake of everything we've done already, or is it like we've we've got a few nice cupcakes we've done already, and now we're trying to like bake an enormous gateau? And, yeah. and if so, how on earth does that does that be, be manageable in practice? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, Jim, and I think it certainly I understand why it's leaving a lot of people scratching their heads and saying, don't we already have this? Um, so basically, the Green Claims Directive will be your sort of polyfiller. So it's there to fill the gaps. It's uh, it's not going to override things like the eco label um, or any any existing measures that we have around environmental labeling and information. So more sector specific, those will continue to to operate. What the Green Claims Directive is is will aim to do is just fill in in the areas where there's sort of it's the wild wild west of green claims, and you have you know. Uh, like I said, these, these well, as Will Smith um, would put it, the Wicca Wicca Wild Wild West. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, in this area, the the Green Claims Directive will step in and ensure that those kind of claims that aren't subject to specific sectoral legislation are actually um, meeting these minimum requirements. So right. it's yeah, setting a, a consistent bar, but also allowing these um, these existing schemes and and regulations that actually work quite well. I think. You know, there's, as you say, these were quite targeted schemes. They're operational now. They're working for the for the most part. So, the the EU doesn't want to say, okay, throw that all out the window. We're done. It's really more about saying, okay, we need to kind of fill in the gaps, and in doing so, it will, uh, it should drive and sort of promote the development of these existing schemes, because it will drive producers towards you know, using better known schemes, but also will stop the, exactly like you say, the proliferation of more and more of these new environmental schemes that just create more noise in the in this area. So Aoife, th- thanks so much for setting all that out. So uh, we've, co- kind of we've got a clear picture now sort of what the Commission's trying to do, how this fits in with, with existing initiatives. It's a bit like the existing initiatives, if I understood, are sort of like a series of kind of, well, in EU speak, quite kind of vertical interventions for specific types of products and, and goods. Um, and uh, this is like setting a horizontal bar under exactly. all of that of saying, you know, below this you will not go in terms yeah. of your in terms of your misleadingness. Right. Um, but when it comes to the directive itself, are there bits here which are likely to get some some pushback or, 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 or to be heavily debated? I mean, obviously I can imagine if, if 
these schemes are already there. You know, we're trying to tackle, in a way, we're pushing back against things that exist, that are there, that are on products today. So presumably there is going to be some debate about sort of what stays and what goes, if you like. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's fair to say. And um, I think there's a number of points that could be uh, uh, quite contentious or quite heavily discussed in the coming months. Um, the first one is probably, so I mentioned this PEF, this product environmental footprint. Um, there was an expectation before the pro proposal came out that this would, that the proposal would say, okay, the, the for example, PEF is the mandatory harmonized methodology that we use for assessing environmental claims. So we are all France. We are all France, exactly. However, what we've seen now is more setting the rules and then allowing that flexibility for different methodologies to come in as long as they meet those that baseline. So, so PEF is, is not contested, but PEF no. is not uniformly out beyond exactly. France's borders yeah. either. And I think there will be... Um, some praise for this. I think there's there's a recognition that PEF does not work for all sectors and all product categories. So while it's a very good, well-established system, it's not that it can be universally applied. And obviously, if we just think off the top of our head, how many products we use on a day-to-day -day basis, it's mm. pretty broad, it's pretty yeah. vast, and they're, they could be very different, the way that they're used, the way that they're produced. So um, PEF is not the, the universal answer, and I think this will be well received in some cases. On the other hand, in member states or even in uh, sort of sectors where you know there's good advan advancements that have been made to use the, the PEF, for example, or basically a lot of investment into developing uh, a methodology uh, like PEF, there may be some pushback as they say, look, you know, we've got this, we're, we're pushing hard, we've, we've invested a lot in it, so why are we not creating this as, a, as the sort of harmonised standard? I, so there's this debate about, yeah, to what extent do you, do you really sort of roll out one model yeah, exactly. for vetting all these claims? Exactly. Or to what extent do you set some looser rules of the road? And I think it's difficult, again, because the, the advantage, for example, from, it, from an enforcement perspective, if you have one harmonised system... Of course, it's much simpler because, yeah. you know, it's very easy to, to sort of monitor and enforce and make sure that, um, that you know, all the producers are, are playing by this one set of rules. Um, but on the other hand, it's just a, a one-size-fits-all approach, which, you know, we're seeing that uh, in other initiatives under the Green Deal also, where maybe the commission is, is trying to say, okay, let's create something simple, broad, mm. that can kind of apply to everything. Um, and in doing so, you... you create some problems or you know you don't capture the nuances of the of the different sectors and it's it's quite a challenge because really what you're talking about is creating a rule book for for all products so yeah, it's, for everything. it's huge exactly. yeah exactly it's, it's huge exa and we've seen we've seen for example in, in financial services how difficult that's been in practice and that, that's just for financial products we're yes. trying to come up with a core rule book so a, a taxonomy with with disclosure requirements around it just for 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 substantiating how green an investment portfolio is yeah. and that's just in the world of financial product that work continues and, and becomes um ever more complex uh, so, so for just just lastly just looking at the world beyond europe are, are other major economies tackling this problem as well um are they confronted by it are they tackling it in a similar way to europe Wh where does sort of europe fit in in, in the broader global picture here I think um, where Europe fits in is is maybe as a bit the, the guinea pig. I think uh, the EU has, has made it very clear that they want to be the global standard, so they want to be the front runners in this area. And again, that's that's echoed throughout the Green Deal. That's uh, you know making the continent co the continent climate neutral by 2050 is is huge. It's it's a big statement and it's a big step, and it will require, as we're seeing, a sort of overhaul of the way that we. 
the way that our economy operates, the way that we even think about our sort of day-to-day lives. So I think the rest of the world is probably closely watching the EU to see how this unfolds, to see, for example, with the green claims, how they make that operational, um, how it impacts you know, things like the market and, and investments in the EU and, and, and mm. things like that. So I would say the, yeah, the rest of the world is likely a, a keen audience uh, of, the, of the EU at the moment and um, may follow suit, but we'll certainly be interested to see how, how this pans out. So, so regulating to neutrality yeah. could, could be a new order album title. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, it's, but it's also an EU leitmotif. Um, exactly. Aoife, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, great Jim, for having me. It was a great chat. <laughs>